Hey, we are so thankful that you're taking the time to tune into Grumwatt Church's podcast. It's our hope that this is an encouragement to you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you'd like to find out more about all things Grumwatt or for more info on our in-person gatherings, you can check us out at grumwatt.com. Now lean in. We're expectant for how God is going to use this time to speak to you today. Today, we are continuing in this series, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and we're going to be focusing and speaking about a discipline that that has been almost completely forgotten and abandoned in our Western society and culture, uh, if not completely dismissed as archaic, boring, and perhaps even detrimental to human progress. We're going to be talking today about silence and and solitude. Now, uh, before we get too far down this path this morning, uh, it's worth noting that we're entering into part three of a six-part series where we're practically discussing how one might go about uh, unhurrying their life. Uh, Because the truth is, is most of us, we have this sneaking suspicion that while this frantic 120 mile an hour pace of life might be normal in our Western culture, Uh, It can't possibly be good for us. And and what we've attempted to establish over these first two weeks is not only is hurry and and busyness wreaking havoc on ourselves and and our relationships with the people that we would all agree matter the most, it's actually undermining our relationship with the living God. This frenetic way of life is is wreaking havoc on, on our souls. And maybe more than any series that we've ever done, uh, this, what we're presenting in this series, it has taken little to no convincing on my part. But both Christians and and non-Christians alike, young and old, we've long sensed this. But but we're just not sure how how we break the cycle. Or to put it in spiritual terms, you're not sure how to reclaim your your soul. So the question that we've been asking is, hey, what if the way of Jesus really is the solution? What if, for for those of you who are new to all of this, that the way of Jesus really is better? We've sort of candidly spoke over these first two weeks that that you don't really have much to lose when you think about it. After all, you you can always return to your frantic, almost psychotic pace. I mean, you can always go back, right? And and it's actually your life, not not this sermon, not some cleverly crafted words that, that have shown you that this current manner with which you're navigating your rather limited amount of time on this earth, well, it's, it's not really working. So why not give the way of Jesus a shot? I mean, after all, it would be Jesus himself who would promise us, and this is kind of our theme verse for the series, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And again, I'm not going to ask anybody to like raise their hand right now or anything, but that, doesn't that describe a lot of us who are, who are watching right now? And he says, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. I mean, come on, for for all of us, even those of you who are very much maybe on the fence with this whole Christianity thing, doesn't this, what's being described right here, doesn't it sound just kind of like, refreshing and, and, and nice? Isn't this not only what, what you've been searching for, uh, what you were hoping to find in a place like this, but also what, what your soul has been yearning for? And, and this isn't a promise for something that we're offered in the future, though it is partly that, but, but rather this is actually what Jesus offers you in the here and the now, right now on this earth. So, so how do we live into this promise? How does this, what Jesus is describing here, become our reality? How do we embrace this promise? And again, not just mere words from some random guy, but rather our risen Savior, the guy who would predict his own death and predict his own resurrection and then actually pull that off. 
that the God who would get off of his throne for you and willingly exchange his life for, for your sin. Now, now, by the way, if, if you haven't been with us for the entirety of this series and you, you kind of missed those first two weeks, it really laid the groundwork and, and the why behind this entire series. And, and I would highly encourage you to go back to grumlaw.com slash messages and listen to those series, uh, listen to those messages there. Uh, or you can find us under Grumlaw Church, wherever it is that you happen to grab your podcast. Now, we began unpacking last week. We, we learned that, that if we want to experience the, the life of Jesus, that, that is, you're interested in, in reclaiming your soul or maybe to use less intimidating or less spiritual language, again, for those of you whom are just beginning to explore, you want to slow down. You want to unhurry things. Then you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And I'll say it one more time. Even if you're not sure whether you're ready to embrace Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is one of those special areas that you would still be wise to adopt the teachings, the lifestyle of Jesus, because it will undeniably make your life better and make you better at life. And so for the remainder of this series, we're going to speak very practically about specific disciplines, specific habits that will more properly align our hearts with Jesus, how we become more conformed into the image of Christ, and in turn, well, get our souls back. Now, in our Western culture, and this is kind of interesting, uh, the term discipline, it, it often takes on a negative connotation because we don't like being constrained. We, we, we value autonomy and freedom really above all else. But, but what we're really talking about when we use this term spiritual discipline, and that's kind of the churchy Christian term, what we're really talking about the day-to-day rhythms that, that made up the very existence of Jesus during his relatively short amount of time on this earth. Uh, And I would propose that this isn't actually a new concept for all of you who are watching right now. We all have, at certain points in our lives, attempted to emulate the lives of people whom we respect in hopes that that our lives might end up looking more like theirs, and in turn producing results more like theirs. This is why, for instance, uh, the biography of Steve Jobs, it sells so well. Because Steve Jobs was exceedingly successful during his time on this earth. So so we read about his life, not to just hear the stories, though that's part of it, we're curious, but but, but there's an attempt there to pick up on some of the habits that we might emulate in order to hopefully produce similar results in in our own lives. So you you find out that Steve Jobs took a nap every day at three o'clock, you're like, well, maybe I I should take a nap every day at three o'clock. Now, now what's interesting is is the gospel accounts, that is, that the biographical accounts of the life of Jesus, we we call them Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we find them right at the beginning of the New Testament, the the latter half of this book that we call the the Bible. Uh, Interesting in the gospel accounts, they're not typically read that way as, as biographical accounts. We rather usually read them for some specific teaching or, or some moral principle that we might implement in our own lives. And we can almost entirely breeze past the lifestyle that Jesus is modeling for us. Those day-to-day habits that made up Jesus' existence. And as followers, what and who we are called to emulate. And the last thing I'm going to say here before we dig into silence and solitude. These habits of Jesus, and this is important, these habits of Jesus aren't the ends in and of themselves. If they become the ends, that's called legalism. The end is, is Jesus, Jesus himself, greater intimacy with the God who is so crazy about you that, that, that he would, well, die for you. 
Here's how Dallas Willard frames that those spiritual disciplines. The disciplines are activities of mind and body purposefully undertaken to bring our personality and total being into effective cooperation with the divine order. They, they enable us more and more to live in a power that is, strictly speaking, beyond us, deriving from the spiritual realm itself. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, you want to have a life that, that looks like mine? That, that life that I promise you is, is easy and, and light? Do as, as I do. Live as, as I live. And, and in fact, there's more waiting for you than you realize. You're going to be tapping into a power that, that you don't even see, that you don't even recognize exists. We've already covered this earlier in this series that, that arguably the word to best describe Jesus during his relatively short amount of time on this earth was, was present. Jesus, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can't find a single instance where he was in a hurry. Never was he looking past the person standing in front of him for the conversation that waited him around the corner. He was 100% completely, utterly, always present. We, in so many ways, that is, we Americans living in the 21st century, we've kind of lost that ability to be present. Not only to ourselves and the people around us, but, but certainly with God. And, and it's because, in large part, we're more distracted than ever before. The minute, come on, you know this to be true, the minute you feel even a hint of downtime, you reach for your digital distraction of choice, usually our, our phones. It was actually fairly recently, I, I took a trip to the grocery store, and uh, I happened to leave my phone at home. And, and literally over the course of a 10-minute drive one way, so 20 minutes total, I probably reached for my phone 10 different times. Sitting in silence in the car, it was, it was almost painful for me. I mean, there was, there was no Instagram to scroll through, no, no podcast to listen to, no, no Spotify to turn on, no text to respond to. There was a day where actually staring off into the distance in silence was just normal. I remember taking road trips as a family and you would just stare out the window and just be bored. We've been robbed of the ability to be truly present. And the first practice that we're going to specifically look at that Jesus modeled so well for us is, again, silence and, and solitude. Now, now, like the other spiritual disciplines, and this, this again, really, really curious, as we often, again, call them in, in Christian circles, again, spiritual disciplines, Jesus never really taught on this stuff. But, but rather, he, he, he modeled it for us constantly. If you pick up and you read through the gospel accounts, an exercise that you definitely owe to yourself, especially if you're just beginning to explore, you constantly see these little notes, and, and they almost feel out of place, almost like an afterthought. These notes that read, then Jesus went away by himself. And then we're kind of on to the next chapter or the next miracle or the next sermon or the next event. And so they're really, really easy to miss, to just breeze right on past. For instance, if you pick up and you read Mark chapter 1, again, one of those four biographical accounts of the life of Jesus, it's a snapshot of kind of Jesus' first day stepping into his public ministry. He's baptized by John. The Holy Spirit descends on him. He goes and gets tempted in the wilderness. He, he gathers the first couple disciples. He, he casts out some evil spirits. He, he miraculously heals some people. Again, all very normal Jesus stuff that maybe you've heard about before. And, and then at the end of the chapter, this little note that, again, just kind of seems arbitrarily thrown in there. But before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. So subtle so seemingly out of place that, that we're tempted to, and come on, for those of you who have been at this church thing for a while, we often do, 
breeze right on past it without giving it so much as a second thought. I mean, if I'm just being honest, practically speaking for me, it's way more tempting to preach a message about the miracles that Jesus just performed or the sermon that he's about to preach. But, but what about this? And again, this, this isn't some one-off. It's laced all throughout the gospel accounts. See, I can't speak for you, but for me, if I had a day like the one that Jesus just had, again, get my first couple disciples, preach a sermon, heal some people, cast out some evil spirits, the next day I'm definitely sleeping in. And eventually I'm going to wake up and kind of stumble into the kitchen and grab a bowl of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And then I'm probably going to plot myself down on the couch for whatever EPL match happened to be on and just stare at a glowing rectangle for about two hours. But, but here's Jesus, up bright and early to, to head to the quiet place. And, and again, if you, if you read the whole chapter, all of Mark 1, you find out that, that he actually went to the quiet place for 40 days, had one wild day of activity, and then he went right back. For those of you who have been attempting to follow Jesus for probably really any amount of time, I'm guessing at some point you have attempted to make that quiet time a priority. You've attempted to build this habit. We call it around here daily encounter, that daily time where you actually open up this book that we call the Bible, the Word of God, and allow it to speak to you, transform you. You share honest thoughts and feelings with God through something we call prayer. You've attempted to build that habit into your daily rhythm. But when we observe the life of Jesus, we don't see it as a habit. We see it as the habit. The, the discipline from which the rest of his life would flow. It, it would be just a couple chapters later, uh, Jesus actually attempts to get some peace and quiet for him and his disciples, only to be interrupted by uh, another day of, of grueling ministry, which concludes with him feeding 5,000 people with just five fish and, and two loaves. You probably remember that one. And then what happens right after? We're told immediately after this that Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Now, Jesus didn't stay up all night praying because it might look super spiritual and everyone would be like, oh my goodness, Jesus, just look at them. He spent so much time with God. He, he, he did it because it was literally the only time that he could find. Knowing that that, that quiet time with his heavenly father was even more important than, than sleep. M meanwhile, I'm over here saying I just didn't have time for quality time with Jesus today. Well, while I simultaneously watched two hours of an NBA playoff game with my laptop open, aimlessly scrolling through the internet. When you read ahead to Luke's gospel account, it actually becomes even more compelling. You actually see this pattern emerge. That the more in demand Jesus became, the more he withdrew to his quiet place to pray. And how much does, does this differ from our own lives? And in fact, I'll just, I'll just speak for myself. Usually for me, the complete opposite occurs. That the more in demand, that the busier I become, my quiet time is usually the first thing to go rather than my first go-to. And I get it. We're all tempted to start rifling through the excuses. But, but come on, if Jesus needed this time, how much more for, for us? 
How much more for, for you and I? Throughout church history, the brightest and I would say the wisest followers of Jesus have agreed that, that among the spiritual disciplines, silence and solitude are the most important. It's why we haven't been shy about admitting really from day one around here that that daily encounter, that daily time spent with Jesus is the single most important habit that you could possibly develop in your life. But put both bluntly and and eloquently, Henry Nguyen frames it this way. He says, without solitude, it's virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside some time to be with God and listen to him. And, And really, this, this makes sense, right? Just like, well, any earthly relationship, if you want the relationship to thrive, if you want it to grow, if you want it to prosper, you have to spend time with, with that person. Because of what I do for a living as a pastor, I, I spend, uh, I guess you could say, an unfortunate amount of time with, with couples who have found themselves in a bit of a relational rut or a relational hole. And 100% of the time, those couples, they're not communicating well. Nor are they spending much quality time alone, just the two of them together. And the same is true with our relationship with God. So many of us, we we, we long to experience God's presence throughout our days, throughout our lives. That is established in in that quiet time, one-on-one with him. If you long for the connection to God that you you see in others and and all of those positive downstream effects that flow from that, do what those people do to establish and keep that connection going. And and, and those individuals, they they fight for time with Jesus like it is the single most important part of their lives because, well, it it is. And and church, this is really important. It it didn't start there for those individuals. It it wasn't like they woke up one day and felt, I want to be close to Jesus. And they spent 20 minutes with him and voila, it's, it's just there. It, it took work. There were plenty of days, just like you, where, where they didn't frankly feel like it. See, at a certain point, every follower of Jesus arrives at a place where they must ask themselves, they must wrestle to the ground, do I believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be? And if the answer to that question is, is yes, then I need to, frankly, get over myself and prioritize my relationship with him as such. Y'all, I, I know pastors aren't supposed to admit what I'm about to admit out loud, but, but there are plenty of days where I just don't really want to go to the quiet place and spend time with Jesus. Because for me, and again, this is a me thing, the, the, the to-do list is long and it's beckoning and, and it just feels more important. But to again, use that language, I get over myself and I do it anyway. Because I'm smart enough to know at this point in my life that everything else will flow from my relationship with Jesus. And that relationship isn't built, I'm sorry to say this, here on Sunday mornings. It's built when it's just me and him in that quiet place, spending quality time together in the silence. And when we talk about silence, there's the external noise, right? That, that's the kids running around upstairs. That's, that's your phone that's vibrating within arm's reach. That's the television that, that might be on. You can actually control the external noise, though many of us do not. That, that, that's actually the easy part. But, but there's also the, the internal noise. That is our, our worry and, and our anxiety. 
and, and our mental checklists, our, our, our thoughts that just will not turn off. And, and, and let's be honest, that is far trickier. For, for most of us, it, it's going to take some time and frankly discipline to, to shut down that internal noise. But, but talk to, again, any person whom you respect spiritually, it is worth fighting for. Because when you can eliminate that internal noise, that is when you begin to experience an intimacy that, that was previously unfamiliar to you. You, you actually open yourself up to, to the quiet, the still, the whisper of the Holy Spirit. And for some of you, you're, you're leaning in right now because you want to know the hack to turn off the internal noise. And I'm telling you, there's not one. It, it just takes practice. Well, it takes discipline to, to at least get rid of the external noise And then as you spend that time in the quiet place with Jesus, slowly but surely that internal noise, it begins to dissipate. So we have silence and then we have, again, solitude. You get rid of the distractions. You find a place where it's just you, your Bible, a journal, and God. You create an environment for attention and connection to the living God. And for those of you who are watching right now, bring it in, and you have excuses for for, for why this still hasn't become a priority for you. I, I want you to this morning really consider the alternative, which as it turns out is, is what you're currently experiencing, where you feel distant from God. And, and you treat these Sunday mornings as, as this opportunity, this hope that maybe you'll get this spiritual dopamine hit that, that'll perhaps carry you throughout the week, but it, but it never seems to last. A, a feeling like, You're not really connected with yourself and and others. Worry and anxiety rarely, if if ever, go away. You're you're constantly exhausted, living for the day to be over, even though you know the next day is certainly going to bring just more of the same. Shame and embarrassment and hiding from habits that that we've used to medicate all of what we've spoken about this morning, porn and drinking too much and addiction to social media. You're emotionally absent from from almost every scenario, almost exclusively operating on the ends of the spectrum. It's either intense anger or like this low-grade apathy. And and now, consider what is offered to us through a life with silence and and solitude, where you're truly prioritizing your relationship with Jesus, your Savior who is absolutely crazy about you, where you're excited to wake up in the morning because you get to spend time with the living God who, again, is crazy about you. You're more present, not not just with God, but but there's a spillover effect into all of our earthly relationships. You begin to feel again, truly celebrating when others are on the mountaintop and you grieve with those when, when they're hurting. You have a desire to face the challenges that that life throws your way, understanding that the God of the universe is contending for your very soul. The voice of God begins to cut through all of the other voices in your life. I mean, come on, even if you're not a Christian, which one of those sounds better? And this is exactly what Jesus is inviting you into. The freedom that he offers you. And what's sort of interesting right now in our society, uh, this is kind of a hot topic. Culture is buzzing with this idea, prancing about like it's some new practice, often framed as mindfulness. (laughs) Followers of Jesus have been onto this for thousands of years because our teacher modeled it so well for us. And, And culture is actually trying to sell it to you without the best part, Jesus himself. Church, I know that this isn't easy. 
if developing this habit, this discipline, this way of Jesus were simple, we'd all be doing it. There's a reason that there's stats staring at pastors like me in the eyes that, that only 13% of you who are watching right now actually practice silence and solitude, that daily encounter on a daily basis. But, but what every person, myself very much included, will tell you who, who has made this a priority is it's, it's worth it. Be, because he's worth it. Jesus is worth it. And that probably shouldn't surprise us, right? I mean, after all, think about this. This is an important question. If he, Jesus, did not spare his own life, what else might he have waiting for those who seek him? Who who earnestly and sincerely seek him? What else might Jesus have waiting for you? With Jesus, there's always more. And it's, and it's always better. Here's, here's my challenge, my invitation to all of you, particularly those of you who, who would wear this label of Christian. Here's how we make it all kinds of practical. Number one, find a place. Find a place where, where silence and solitude can actually be realistically practiced. Uh, eliminate distractions and get alone with God. It, it doesn't need to be this prayer closet, though it might be time to get rid of the paint cans from underneath the stairs and transform that space. But, but find a place where you can get rid of the distractions and just get alone with God. And, and then number two, schedule a time. The, the days of leaving this to chance are, let me say this as your pastor, over. Now, you might someday not have to do this, but, but if you continue to leave this to chance, it will continue to fall by the wayside. And again, I, I'm not pointing that out. Your own life has demonstrated that to you. So literally pull out the calendar, schedule it on a daily basis. This is too important to continue to hope for. Fight for this time like you have never fought for it before. Church, let us not just be hearers. Let us be people who actually do. Don't merely listen to the teachings of Jesus. Emulate the lifestyle of Jesus. Accept Jesus' invitation into light and, and easy. Because everything else will take its cues from this.